We're going to start this morning with our our new dwelling in the Word passage uh, from Matthew chapter 5. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. And said they put it on its own stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good uh, deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Uh, before I go into this, I do want to acknowledge, I think she can still hear me, that uh, Jennifer did not want her birthday acknowledged, but I wanted to acknowledge Jennifer's birthday. Uh, so if you see Jennifer, you can wish her happy birthday and then ask her how old she is. I think that's kind of proper protocol for birthdays. So she would appreciate that if you want to do that, and you can catch her in the gym after church. This morning, uh, we're starting a new series called Everyday Disciple. We're going to go through three windows of, of sharing our faith, showing our faith, and teaching our faith with others. And it's a necessary uh, conversation to have as a church because it, it's a hard conversation to have. And to kind of illustrate how difficult this is, I want to create this image in our minds. You're on an airplane, and you sit down next to somebody, and, and you start having those small talk conversations of, shouldn't be where you're going because you're on the same plane, so you kind of establish that. But where have you been? You know, where are you from? And normally you'll eventually get to this element in the conversation of what do you do? Now, depending on what your line of work is, that may be a, a good, fun conversation. Uh, maybe, you know, you're a doctor or accountant. Whatever you do, that's maybe an easier thing to just say, this is what I do for work. But as a minister, that's when the tone of the conversation changes. Um, you really kind of figure out fast whether or not that person wants to have a dialogue with you or not. And so recently I, I was getting my hair cut, and, and the lady that was cutting my hair, we, we were having that small talk conversation, and she said, eventually, so what kind of work are you in? And I was like, okay, here we go. Do, do I say, like, what I'm doing? Because it, it's like mid-haircut. Like, it's, we're not halfway over. Like, this could change how everything goes. And so I said, you know, actually, uh, I work at a church. I get to work with a, a lot of really cool people. Um, and that's kind of my, my standard staple answer of, like, this is a cool place to be. You want to be a part of it. This is what I do. And she goes, I don't really like church very much. And I was like, whoa, all right. I guess we are going with that mohawk that I wasn't ready for. <laughs> but we've all experienced that in some form or fashion, right? Like that, that feeling of awkwardness when it comes to how do you share your faith with somebody? A conversation that should be easy, that should be uh, smooth and flowing, just basically how we exist as human beings, it's difficult. Because we don't want to offend. We don't want to make conversations difficult. Often, we, maybe we don't even want to hear the answer. Like when she said, I don't really like going to church. I was like, oh, okay. Like, I mean, what is the, it's like, so what else do you like? You know, it's like, how do you navigate those awkward conversations? And the reality is, is we are called to do this. We've spent a lot of time over the last few months looking at passages like the Great Commission. It reads uh, in verse 28, or Matthew chapter 28, here we go. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been, sent, has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. We know this, in verse 20, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Also in Mark chapter 16, Jesus, he said to them, Go into the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. 
And these signs will accompany those who believe in the name. They will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. They will drink deadly poison. It will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people, and they will get well. These, these passages we see over and over again in Scripture that we are called to share our faith. It is a, a staple of what it means to be a disciple. But we live in a day and age where that's at times uncomfortable or it's challenging, or maybe we, we don't know even where to start the conversation. Again, if, if you're on a plane and you start a conversation, and that person does not want to talk about your faith and you're ready to, you start looking like, all right, we got three more hours of this. Like, how are we going to handle this? Or you're in a weird situation like me where somebody doesn't want to talk about church, but they, they have those clippers behind your hair, and you're like, all right, this is, we're going to see what happens. But we've all experienced that in some form or fashion. And people have been doing studies on this forever. A 2018 study found that the reason why people don't share their faith, there's basically two reasons. Uh, we've got that up here. It's avoidance and ambivalence. They did a study of, I don't remember how many people, but these were the two primary terms that came out through this study, why people are reluctant to discuss their faith. Now, people who don't, uh, who don't talk very often about their faith for different reasons, but most of all fall into two broad categories, avoidance and ambivalence. For instance, two, the two avoidant responses given for not engaging in conversations on faith are religious conversations always seem to create tensions or arguments. None of us have probably felt that at all. And I'm, I'm, I'm put off by how religion has been politicized. Now, in regards to ambivalence, they got these responses. I'm not religious, and I don't care about these kind of topics. Nice. Uh, great response. And the second one was, I don't feel like I know enough to talk about religious or spiritual topics. Now, both of these two terms, I think, are very valuable in a discussion in how do we share our faith with those around us. Ambivalence, that comes, in my opinion, from we're not equipping enough. We're not preparing. We're not encouraging. We're not building up our members to where they have the courage to say, hey, this is what you need to do when it comes to sharing your faith. These are the things that you share. This is how you engage in a dialogue with someone who maybe doesn't know a lot about church or faith or your background. These are the things that you do. But avoidance is one that I love because I connect a lot with avoidance. I hate awkward social situations, and I awkwardly find myself in a lot of them. Almost on a daily basis, my poor family is put into an awkward situation with me because I ask a lot of questions. I want to know a lot of things. And I often find myself asking too many questions to the person saying, I want out of this dialogue. Some of you may be experienced that with me. We're like, I'm ready to go home. I don't want to talk anymore. But avoidance, we all connect with, right? Because avoidance comes with excuses. And let's just kind of have a real conversation here when it comes to sharing our faith. Because a lot of times we don't share our faith and we insert whatever excuse in the book that you want to. And it's right now, I'm not going to commit to that right now. I'm not going to share my faith because I don't want it to offend my neighbor, my, my coworker, etc. Or I'm not equipped enough to do it. Like, that's not my spiritual gift. My spiritual gift is not to share my faith with other people. And we start inserting all of these excuses in there to say, hey, this isn't for me. And that's why you see the word avoidance come up and why people are reluctant to share their faith. It's because they don't want to. Or maybe we feel like we're not ready to, or we're not good enough, or, or whatever. But they're excuses. We are called to share our faith. As disciples, this is what God called us to do. 
If you're a card-carrying Christian, you're supposed to be sharing your faith with those that you encounter. Now, I think that looks different for each and every one of us. That's an important thing. I don't think tomorrow, Monday morning, you should take a crate, go into the middle of your office, and be like, who wants to hear the gospel? That's not going to go well. You're probably going to get to talk to your HR representative as well. I don't think you should do that. But I do think that God opens moments up for us in our lives. We're going to talk about that in just a little bit. But we have to be ready to share our faith when God opens those doors and those windows. In Matthew chapter 10, when the disciples are being commissioned, it says, Jesus called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out impure spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. And he goes through the names of them. And then in verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans, but rather to the lost sheep of Israel. Now there's a, an important thing that's happening here where, where Jesus is wanting you to go to the people who need it the most. It's not that the Gentiles or the Samaritans, they don't matter. It's not what Jesus is saying. But he's saying go to the people that need to hear the gospel. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive out demons. Freely you receive, freely you give. And this commission of the, the disciples, we are in this as well. Like we are called to go out and share the gospel, to share our faith with those that we encounter. Again, not in the middle of your workplace. You know, don't even trick people into lunch either. I've seen that happen too. Who wants to get lunch? There's also a devotional on the side. Don't do that. Do not trick people when it comes to sharing your faith. But we are called to do this. We see in the Great Commission, we see in the commission of the disciples, that we as followers of Jesus are called to share our faith with all those that we encounter. Again, it looks different for each one of us. Maybe sharing your faith is literally sitting down with somebody and saying, I want to tell you why I believe. Maybe sharing your faith looks like just being nice to that coworker that nobody else is nice to. It looks different for each of us, but we are called to do it. And often we find ourselves in situations of avoidance where we say, you know what, God, I don't want to do that right now. Like this isn't a season of my life right now where I can engage or share the gospel with people. And we're making excuses. But there's not a lot of room for excuses if we believe this to be true. So what do we do next? Like what are our steps that we move forward with as far as sharing the gospel? The first step that I think that we have to do is recognize that we are ambassadors of Christ. That as we enter into the workforces, when we go back to our jobs, our neighborhoods, our community groups, our PTA committees, whatever area you find yourself in, that you are an ambassador of Christ. And that in each of those opportunities, you have moments to share why you believe. Again, that may not look like standing on a crate proclaiming the gospel. But sharing your faith may just look like being a nice person and being kind to somebody. Paul writes this to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view, though we once regarded Christ in this way. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. This, this newness that we've talked a lot about over the past few months. That if we are going to be everyday disciples, we have to recognize that we are new creations. That God is doing something in each of our lives through Christ that makes us new. We are not the old selves we once were, that Christ is creating within us something new and powerful. 
Verse 18, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, we are, there, we are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. But that powerful reminder that as you leave here today that you are an ambassador of Christ— when you go to Slim's because they have a discount for kids' meals after church, just, to, just telling you, you got to work the hustle. It's $1.99 for kids. But when you go to Slim's, you are an ambassador of Christ. When you go work out at your gym, you are an ambassador of Christ. In every element of our lives, when it comes to sharing our faith, we have to recognize that we are ambassadors of Christ. And sometimes we just need to be reminded of that because that empowers us that we are not doing this on our own, that God is working through us, through Jesus. And the second thing that we have to do when it comes to sharing our faith is we have to be ready. I think a lot of times we avoid moments because we're not prepared. A lot of the excuses that I gave you that I hope that you don't use, but some of the excuses that I gave you is that we're not ready, it's not the right time, this isn't the season of my life where I can go around sharing my faith with people. 1 Peter 5 says this, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats, do not be frightened, but in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I'm not going to put anybody on the spot, but there have been a lot of times in my life where I've missed moments because I haven't been ready. Ready. I wouldn't say that's happening now because of what I do and the line of work that I'm in. But a lot of times in my life, I've had moments to share my faith with people, share my testimony. I've either avoided them or I've missed them. But what we see in 1 Peter is that we are called to always be prepared. Think about that. If you are being an ambassador of Christ, you are prepared. If you enter into Slim Chickens, if you go to the gym, if you go to work and you have that mindset of you are an ambassador of Christ, you are ready to share your faith when those moments arise. This morning, Tom Powell and I were talking about magic, which is a normal thing that Tom Powell and I do. Um, but, but we were talking about magic and he was giving an example in class about pulling a rabbit out of a hat. Excellent example. But I was telling Tom about Penn and Teller. As I've t- shared before, I love magic. I don't care. If it makes me a nerd, it makes me a nerd. I love it. Let's see you guys do tricks and whatever. Let's do that. But I love magic. I do. And, and now that my, my kids love it, it makes it even better for me. But Penn and Teller are probably like a top five magician group in my life. I do have a working list. I'll share it with you later. But Penn and Teller are fantastic magicians from Vegas. Um, that's where they're, they're based. But if you know anything about them, Penn is a, a noted atheist. It is something that he's very outspoken about. Um, he, he writes a lot about this. He does videos about his atheism. He, he defends his atheism. And about 12 years ago, after a show, a, a person came up to Penn and gave him a Bible. I don't know if you've ever heard this story, and we're going to watch just a little clip from the video in just a moment, but I want to set it up for you. So after a magic show, 
uh, if you're selected in the audience and there's a, you know, a trick that has um, elements to it, they will let you keep those things. So if they pull a, a rabbit out of a hat, you get to keep the rabbit. Congratulations, now you have a pet. But that's just part of the act. And so this guy came back the following night to meet Penn and Teller. And when he came, he brought him a Bible. And I want to, we have that video queued up. Let's go for the video. And I want you to see how he responds to somebody sharing their faith with this guy. And I wanted you to have this. I'm kind of uh, proselytizing. And then he said, I'm a businessman. I'm, I'm sane. I'm not crazy. And he looked me right in the eye and did all of this. And uh, it was really wonderful. I believe he knew that I was an atheist. But he was not uh, defensive. And he looked me right in the eyes. And he was truly complimentary. It wasn't in any way, it didn't seem like empty flattery. He was really kind and nice and sane and looked me in the eyes and talked to me and then gave me this Bible. And I've always said, you know, that I, I don't respect people who don't proselytize. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and hell and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life or whatever, and you think that, uh, well, it's not really worth telling them this because it would make it socially awkward. And atheists who think that people shouldn't proselytize, just leave me alone, keep your religion to yourself. Uh, how much do you have to hate somebody to not proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe it, that truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. And I've always thought that, and I've written about that, and I've thought of it conceptually. This guy was a really good guy. He was polite and honest and sane, and he cared enough about me to proselytize and give me a, a Bible, which had written in it a little note to me, uh, not very personal, but just, you know, like to show and so on. And then like five phone numbers for him and an email address if I wanted to get in touch. Now, so I've watched that video probably, I don't know, several times over my life, and, and I keep coming back to that point of the image of the, 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 tra or the truck coming at somebody. Because if we're going to be serious about being disciples of Christ, like, if we believe this, we've got to share this. It's a disservice to hold all of this within and just say, you know what, it's not the right time for me. I don't need to share the gospel. I don't need to share my faith with people. I'm going to just kind of keep this within me. That's not, that's not what we see in the gospel. That's not what God commands us to do through Jesus. We are called to share. Now, I want to give you kind of a few tips as far as we move forward with this conversation of how do you share. The first one is from Romans chapter 1, verse 16, and it ties in to that video. Paul writes, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God, and that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. From the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteousness will live by faith. 
You think about that video, about the individual that, that gave the Bible to that man. He wasn't ashamed of the gospel. And my favorite part of the video was when he said he had five different phone numbers and an email address. Like you talk about somebody being like, if you want to talk, I'm available. But think about that. Like it, it's, it's so connected to here, to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. Somebody that, that believes that they're not ashamed of the gospel. And I'm not saying that we don't share because we're ashamed, but we need to have confidence in what we believe. And with that confidence, again, comes being prepared. To Timothy, Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead. And in view of his appearing in the kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. As we kind of put a bow on this first sermon in this series, I want to give you a few kind of encouraging words to be confident in what you believe and be willing when God opens up a door for dialogue to go through that door and to share the gospel. But the one element that I would encourage you to think about when you're going to share your faith is share your faith. I don't know if you've driven around central Arkansas a lot, but our cup runneth over with churches. Um, There's a bunch of churches around us. There are. There's a good chance that your neighbor, your coworker, your friend, your family member that you're thinking about right now that you wish that you had the courage to share your faith with, there's a good chance that they have heard the gospel. But the twist that I would tell you to put on it is this, is to make it personal. Yes, your neighbor, your coworker, your friend, they've heard the gospel. But have they heard what Jesus has done through you? When you make it personal, you make it relatable. It's one thing to say, hey, this is the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, he came to this earth. He died for you. Like, we get it. We've heard that before. But if you shared what Jesus is doing through you, how Jesus has transformed your life, how you are different because you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, when you make it personal, you make it relatable. And all of a sudden, you have these opportunities of dialogue that have substance, that have meaning. And then you're sharing your faith one by one. Because, guys, that is how churches grow today. They don't grow through these, these mass movements. They grow from one-on-one relationships with people that you care about, that you love, that you're willing to walk with. And it all starts with sharing your faith.